I'm Beth. I'm Holly. And we're the Mombies. I heard a house with at least four dead bodies in it. Like, what is that? How much worse can you get, really? That's a great question. Weird. Just, just absolutely strange. How do you even do that? I feel like that's gotta mean something. Hello, spooky humans. Welcome back to the Mommies Podcast. I'm Beth. I'm Holly. Um, I didn't, I didn't really put intro stuff here. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello! I don't know. We've been talking for the last 47 minutes, so we do that every time, you guys. Basically every time. I totally <laughs> had something I wanted to talk to you about, and by now I've totally forgotten what it was. Whoop! We were earlier talking about sleepovers. <clears throat> sleepovers. My child is reaching the age of wanting to have sleepovers all the time, and I'm terrified. Because <laughs> I'm that mom. I'm like, no, please just spend the night here. Just have a party in my house. Uh, it's so hard. Uh, I'll get there. It's also I'm hard when you, the if you didn't have bad experiences at sleepovers. It's, it's, it's hard to separate those two things that you didn't have experience bad experiences and that other people did have bad experiences. Right. And trying to like navigate all of those things. I know, but the good thing in what you said is he can like, because mine doesn't have a phone, because fuck. Right. He's nine. Never. And, um, but that he can use his tablet yeah. to use Messenger. And I didn't even fucking think about that, because when we were kids, that wasn't really an option. You no. pretty much got to go, hey, Sally's mom. Yep. Can I use the phone and it's call my mom yeah. for just real quick? Mm-hmm. And so now he can just message me on there. I can message him on there and be like, are you okay? Yep. And then two, like I, we were talking about, you can, you know, they, and they recommend it all the time. I'm sure everybody has seen it, but you can um, have like a code word or a code like emoji that you can have your kids send you and say, like, if you're uncomfortable, yeah, send me this or bring it up however you need to do it. And then I'll know that you're uncomfortable and I need to make an excuse for you to come home. And then that right. way that takes that pressure off the kid of making everybody happy or not wanting right. people to feel, feel weird about yeah. them. It kind of puts it back on you because I'll be the weird parent all day long. I'll do whatever I need to do. Oh, absolutely. To take that off. Of my oh, kids, absolutely. So. That's fine. Mom said it's time to go. Oh, I just realized you forgot to do the dishes. You need to get home. Got to come beat you. <laughs> Coming to get you. <laughs> so, and sorry if I sound weird. My sinuses are, I either have a cold for my children or sinus shit happening. But my sinuses have been bothering me since the weather changed. So that's what I'm assuming it is. I always try to assume that because I don't want it to be a cold. So <laughs> I'm going to keep my germs over on this side of the table. Yeah. And I'm drinking some nasty peppermint tea that I put a lot of sugar in. So uh, this could be interesting, but I thought that would help. So if I sound weird, sorry. I'll try not to like hack and stuff into the microphone. Oh, thank you. As I take a big drink. Um, so I can't remember what we were going to talk about. So I guess we'll just kind of get into it. Let's do um, it. So my main sources for today's episode were the book Invisible Killer, The Monster Behind the Mask by Diana Montaigne and Sean Robbins, uh, and the episode of 48 Hours about this case, which is from, I think it's from season 19, episode 30. I I feel like it said season 21 somewhere else, so that may be wrong. If it is, I'm sorry. The episode is called Deadly Obsession, uh, and it's definitely available. I don't remember where I watched it. Uh, but it'll be in our notes. Uh, and then a couple of internet articles. All that will be linked in the show notes. So mostly those were about related cases. Nice. Um, okay. 
So we're going to September of 2004. Okay. Okay. The so, 2000s of it all. I know, right? So like yesterday or 20 years ago. Whatever. Holy oh shit balls. My kids, I got shirts for them. So it says uh, class of 2034. Uh, I was uh-huh. like, holy fuck. Mm, I don't <laughs> like that. I like that even less than the fact that 2004 was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I graduated in 2004, but okay. Right, right. Okay. 2034. What the fuck? That sounds like some fucking Jetsons fucking year still. <laughs> Even saying 2023, I'm just like, whoa. Are we already supposed to be in flying cars? What just happened? What Where's my Rosie the Robot? <laughs> We, oh yeah. We just were talking about watching the getting the kids to watch the Flintstones because it was on sale and I was Hell like, yeah. Oh look, because I go through all these movies that are on sale, even though my husband still doesn't have a job, so we have no income and I'm like, Oh look at all these movies that are on sale, but I can't buy and I know I can't. But I'm like, Oh, the Jetsons is only whatever. The whole series of the Flintstones is on sale and I was like, Oh look and Rush's like the kids will never watch that. I tried. I was like, Oh they watch I love Lucy. I think we can get them there. <laughs> I think I we freaking can do love it. the Flintstones. I mean, I love Lucy is even better than the Flintstones, but whatever. So We'll see, we'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, huh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Back to the show, Found Bob. something to talk about. Now back in, into the thing. Uh, so, okay. September 2004, Hurricane Ivan caused over $33 billion in damages in today's money in the United States and killed 124 people total. Mm-hmm. 57 in the United States alone. Um, so the hurricane's intensity grew and declined throughout its trajectory, hitting Category 5 status three different times. Oh, my gosh. So it was kind of, you know, waxing and waning or whatever. I don't know. Uh, on Friday, September 2nd, evacuation orders were issued for the Florida Keys, which is where Charlie and Terry Brandt lived. So we'll talk a little bit about Charlie and Terry first. Uh, in his late 20s, Charlie had been running a drug interception operation out of the Bahamas for a defense contractor corporation. What? Like like a, like undercover. Yeah, so okay. they were like so they were like catching drugs that were coming into. I'm like, the is he the good guy or the the bad guy? Then he's the good guy. I guess it depends on whose story you're telling. Ooh. In this story, his job he right is now, trying to guy. get the bad guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's uh, stopping the drugs from from being sent. I guess into the U.S. Okay, but he doesn't work for the police. No, got it. Uh, when he was 28, Charlie told his former brother-in-law, Jim, that he was quitting the job because he had found a duffel bag of uncut cocaine while fishing. So they said he was like fishing in deep water and like kicked this bag with his shoe or something. Um, he'd gotten some of his friends high with it and then kind of started selling it, I guess, is what it sounded like. Well, one of those friends that he got high ended up telling him that he knew someone who would buy the bag of cocaine and pay a 10% finder's fee. So I guess he was like... Fuck yeah. So Jim didn't know the exact number, but apparently it was close to half a million dollars. Holy shit. Uh, Charlie's home cost over 250000 I was going to feel. for it in cash. Ooh, so. but then you don't have as much money left. I mean, it's only 2004. That's not going to get you no, all that so, far. So this is 2004. That would have happened uh, around 20 years prior, nine oh, years prior. okay then. Okay. So you're right. talking. 1980. Like okay. the 80s Okay. Yes, that's much more money. Um, I don't, I forgot to admit, I think he's like 47 when we're talking about in 2004, somewhere in the okay. age range. And that was when he was 28. Got so it. that's not, that's about almost 20 years. Yeah. I did do that math right. Oh, look at me math. And that was here. so fast too. <laughs> Bravo. Thank you. Don't expect it again. <laughs> so, uh, once he got out of the business, Charlie asked Jim, quote, well, do you know any girls besides your girlfriend? 
<laughs> I mean, I've been stuck on that fucking island for five, six years, and I want to get started, get start getting into the scene. Jim said he'd ask his girlfriend, which he did, and they set Charlie up with Terry. I forgot to put her last name. I think it was Helfrick, maybe, uh, on a blind date in 1985. Terry was cute and full of life. She was talkative and had a great sense of humor. Although Charlie was a quieter guy, apparently Terry kind of pulled him out of his shell. So they cup they excuse me the couple dated for a short time before moving into an apartment together. Oh, so they kind of moved quick, I guess. Sorry, take a drink. Uh, Charlie and Terry had been introduced by. I already said that part. Apparently, I forgot to take that back out. So they they hit it off pretty quick. They fell in love. They eloped on August 29th of 1986. Okay. Jim was Charlie's best man, and his girlfriend was the maid of honor, but there weren't any family members invited to the wedding. That's adorable. I mean, do you? But the the friends that set them up being (laughs) so cute. And we we have families, so we know what that's like, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And not not that our families weren't invited to our weddings, but we know that family dynamics can be difficult. Although, most of my family was not at my wedding. Uh, that's because we did it at the courthouse very quickly, so. Well. Uh, uh, Terry's best friend. Oh, so the couple were described as the couple, as the type of couple that people envy. Terry's best friend, Melanie, told 48 Hours, quote, If my husband could love me one-third the amount that Charlie loved Terry, I'd be the luckiest woman in the whole world. Aww. That's sweet and sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said the couple never argued. They even made each other's lunches because lunch tastes better when it's made by someone else, especially your person. Stop it. Oh, like, oh my God, that's so cute. That is good. <laughs> oh, that's pretty fun. Like, then you don't know what you're getting. Like, here's right. your lunch. Right. Mm-hmm. Cute. Yeah, pretty cute. Uh, so, they, so they never argued. Uh, Terry's sister, Pat, felt that they were madly in love with each other. Terry's sister, Mary Lou, said her first impression of Charlie was that he was soft-spoken and laid back, and she felt that complimented Terry's outspoken, happy demeanor well. Uh, So everyone thought they went really well together. Charlie and Terry's niece, Michelle Jones, and her friends had always thought Charlie was a little odd, calling him eccentric, but Michelle also thought that he and her aunt were a good match. Okay. And together they were pretty adventurous, you know. Now, back in 2004... What? I definitely just flung my fucking phone. Uh, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> uh, so back in 2004, 37-year-old Michelle was keeping a close eye on news of the storm because she was worried about her aunt and uncle. Uh, she was close with both, but especially with free-spirited Terry, her mom's sister, who reminded her of a hippie girl. Yes. When Charlie spoke to his friends about Michelle, he called her his, quote, Victoria's Secret. Oh. Because she was beautiful and she looked like someone straight from the pages of the catalog. Though it was a nickname, he never called her to her face. Her father says that if he had, she would have been livid. So I don't, she wouldn't have liked to joke like that. I feel like that would have made me uncomfortable a little bit. Seems like a strange thing for an uncle. Oh, wait. To say? Her uncle. Oh, I thought you were talking about. Oh, no, no. The uncle called the niece that. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Uh, that's wondering why. (laughs) You probably like, like, you're making no faces. What the fuck? You said, Oh, and I was like, oh. No, no. Um, rewind that, please. Ill. Ew. Okay. <laughs> no. I thought you meant her husband. And then it even made sense that he wouldn't say it to her face because he right. was like, oh, I'm just, you know. Right. But then I was like, wait a minute. This is getting weird. No. <laughs> no Gross. It's, it's weird. <laughs> no. This is niece. Fuck that. So he says he calls his niece his Victoria's Secret because she's beautiful and looked like someone straight from the pages of the catalog. Gross. Gross. I already said that. Gross! Oh, let's say it again. Gross! Gross. Um, a co-worker of Charlie's said that Charlie had told him on Thursday, September 9th, 
Quote, if this comes, I'm going up to Victoria's Secret's house. This girl has it all. She's intelligent. She has a good job. She has a good home. And she cannot find a good boyfriend. The last guy that she had was divorced. He didn't even have a car. I just don't understand it. Now, this friend also excused the weirdness of him calling his niece Victoria's Secret, saying it wasn't disrespectful because he hadn't called her Playboy. Um, okay. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, there's not even another word. How creepy. I can't imagine. I don't, I didn't have aunts and uncles. My mom didn't have siblings. And my dad's uh, sister I never met. But I can't imagine my older family members calling me something like that. Ew. Ew. Gross. Like or my gross. one of my siblings calling one of my children that. Um, no, sir. Yikes. No. Yuck. My, of course, my siblings would never, but. Uh, when the evacuation orders came out, Michelle insisted that Charlie and Terry come stay with her in Orlando, and she was thrilled when they agreed to come for the weekend. Now, this wasn't the first time the couple had stayed with her. Uh, they'd stayed with her while Hurricane George hit their home in 1999 as well, and again in 2000 while the house was repaired. So this had happened before. Um, no big deal. She's thrilled. Uh, Charlie and Terry arrived at Michelle's home on Saturday, September 11th, which is my grandfather's birthday. Happy birthday to my grandpa. Uh, Charlie called his father and younger sister Jessica to tell them the Brants had made it to Michelle's house and to plan a day to visit since they were only an hour away. Within 20 minutes of their arrival, Michelle texted one of her best friends, Lisa, quote, Charlie and Terry, or, Terry and Charlie are here. Where are you? Why aren't you over here? So, I mean, they, like, she had plans for her friends to come over and have fun and drink and play games, which is totally something that you would do. Uh, like, like, your grandma's coming over. And oh, totally yes. see that. Like, come over, play Scrabble with us. Like, let's do the thing, you know. Um, so, obviously, they're very close friends. They have a, you know, uh, they have a couple other friends in their little group, too. I'm not sure if Lisa ever made it over. But the women's friend Debbie stayed at the house both Friday and Saturday night, apparently. Uh, in the early morning hours of Saturday, this was a story that was new to me. So I, I was like, we have to talk about that. Uh, she went to the kitchen to get a glass of water and found Charlie pacing back and forth in the kitchen. She smiled at him and he went to stand behind the kitchen counter near the knives. Debbie thought he was looking at her breasts and became very uncomfortable. She was so uncomfortable that she left early Sunday morning. Oh. So, which I feel like if that happened, it says... The early morning hours of Saturday, but the way that it was worded, I'm not sure if she meant like, like the or like two a.m. right between Friday and Saturday, or maybe she meant Saturday into Sunday, and it just was worded weird. I'm not sure because I feel like if someone if made me uncomfortable like that, I wouldn't stay a whole nother day. Oh yeah, I'd be like, I'm out of here. So that could be it could be incorrect. The book had a, a few places where the dates were off a little bit, so I'm hoping all my information is correct. I kind of looked at some of the different sources, but if anything's wrong, then I, I do apologize for that. But I. Tried really hard to make sure it was all right. Um, Debbie later talked to Michelle about the incident, telling her friend, your uncle is weird. Michelle dismissed Debbie's concerns, saying, quote, no, he's just a big teddy bear. So. Um, Charlie and Terry went to visit Charlie's family at 2 p.m. on Sunday. While they were there, Charlie told Terry multiple times that it was safe to return home the following day and they should start packing for the drive home. He hadn't really wanted to evacuate at all, but Michelle and Terry had insisted so it kind of seemed urgent to him that they leave that following day, but there's no real explanation as to why he wanted to leave. He also spoke on the phone with his older sister, Angela, while there. Angela couldn't make it that day, but asked to see him the next day. Charlie responded, quote, sorry, I have plans. We're staying with Michelle. Maybe next time. And does she live there too? Yeah. Yeah. I think they all lived a little bit further oh, okay. north there, uh, closer to where Michelle lived. And then Charlie and Terry are in the Keys. So I mean, they're at the very, very southern 
Okay. On, on Florida. Um, Charlie's father and sister, Jessica, I think I said, uh, later said that in hindsight, they felt like Charlie had held each of them longer and tighter than he ever had before. They kind of felt like maybe that was something. Oh. Um, so like when they were saying bye? Yeah. Or just, bye, oh, okay. So this is some hindsight yeah, talk some here. Hindsight okay. Kind of stuff. All right. I, I just felt like that was kind of where it went. Uh, yeah. So just, just a bit strange. Um, Charlie and Terry went back to Michelle's early that evening. And even though Charlie had been insistent that they leave Monday, he changed his tune that night. Suddenly he was insistent that they stay one more night, which surprised and irritated Terry. By this point, the hurricane had passed the Florida Keys and was headed to Alabama, but all of a sudden, Charlie wanted to stay. So I think his wife's kind of getting annoyed. What's your fucking deal? You know. Uh, Right. I've just told everybody we're going to be leaving early. Now you're saying we're not leaving. What the fuck? You've gotten me all jumbled up. Yeah. I'd be irritated with my husband for sure. Yeah. Uh, So Monday evening, Michelle stopped answering phone calls. She was very close with her mom, Mary Lou. And when Mary Lou's call started going straight to voicemail, she became worried. Uh, when Michelle didn't return the calls, which was completely out of character for her, Mary Lou became even more worried, of course. On Wednesday, September 15th, Mary Lou called Debbie, so again, one of Michelle's best friends, to ask her to go check on Michelle and see if she was okay. Uh, Mary Lou told Debbie that she'd received a call from Michelle's office because she hadn't shown up to work as expected. So oh I don't know if it was that gosh. day or... Um, <clears throat> Debbie said she also hadn't heard from Michelle, though she'd sent messages and emails uh, Debbie and Michelle had plans to fly to Vegas later that week and they'd been emailing back and forth frequently in excitement for their vacation. So it was pretty strange that Michelle had just kind of stopped responding. Debbie agreed to go check on Michelle, telling Mary Lou that she had a house key. So they said that all the girls in this little group had, had each other's house keys, which I was just like, oh. that's adorable. Like such a cute little right. group. You know? It's like our garage codes. <laughs> exactly. Um, Debbie. So Debbie agreed to go check on Michelle Oh, I said that. Telling tell her she had a house key. On the way, she called their friend Lisa to fill her in on what was going on. Uh, Michelle had invited Lisa over for dinner on Monday the 13th. Uh, in the Invisible Killer book, that's one of the spots that was weird. It said this was on the 15th, but I think that was an error because okay. I tried looking at where the dates seemed like they happened. Um, but when Lisa called to say she was running late, Michelle told her not to come over because Charlie and Terry had been drinking and arguing. And it wasn't very pleasant at her house. <clears throat> Uh, Terry's sister Pat later said that when Terry drank, she was good at pushing people's buttons, which probably gives us a little better idea of what was going on at Michelle's house that night. You're irritated with your husband because now he wants to stay. So he's already grating on your nerves from that. Plus normal, whatever husband and wife stuff. And it's never about that argument and you're drinking and you're probably pushing buttons. Wonderful. Michelle's like, I'm no, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, so Michelle told Lisa she was going to go to her room. I'm, I'm just taking myself out of this. Lisa considered going over anyway, but ultimately she just decided to go home. Uh, on this phone call, Lisa told Debbie she would meet her at Michelle's house. Okay. So we're both going to go check on her. Now, when Debbie arrived at the house, she immediately noticed that Charlie and Terry's SUV was still on the driveway. So they would plan to leave Monday. He says we're going to leave Tuesday now. Now it's Wednesday and they're still there and nobody's answering. Uh, now, Debbie's mind started racing with all the possibilities of what could have happened to Michelle, Charlie, and Terry, which we know what that's like with anxiety. She was going everywhere about what could have happened. She went to the front door and tried to open it, but she was shaking so hard she couldn't even get the key in the lock. Oh, my God. Uh, she stopped, turned around to face the street, I guess, probably to, like, to try to gain her composure and chill and whatever. But then when she turned back to the door, all that panic and worry just streamed out of her body. She began banging on the door with both hands, screaming, Michelle, open the door. 
She yelled five or six times while knocking before heading to the family room windows and beating on the glass there. And she squeezed between the hedges to go knock on Michelle's bedroom window. By this point, she'd stopped screaming. And I think that fear was setting in that something's really wrong. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, she's a little bit quieter. And when no one answered any of the knocks, she ran to the next door neighbor's house and banged on their door screaming for help. No one answered there. And now, this is nighttime. And she still and has the so, key. Yeah, she has the key, but she couldn't get it to go unlocked. So she then, I think she's probably thinking, they talked about how it was thrown in a bowl, like with all of their keys. So she, I think she's thinking maybe I grabbed the wrong key. Okay. You know, whatever. She just couldn't get it to work. Um, so no one answered the next door neighbor's house. So she ran to another house and then she spotted a different neighbor coming out of their garage. So she ran to the man, asked him for help, explained the situation. He, uh, I think, reached in his car, it said, and grabbed, oh yeah, and grabbed a gun and a flashlight. And the two went back to, towards Michelle's house. I would be shitting my pants now. Right? Like, I need help, but then you getting the gun, me seeing somebody, like, hold on, let me get my gun. I'd be like, right. oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure, like, oh. as, as those steps went, she had to be, I mean, she's shaking so hard when she gets to the door, she can't put the key in. Imagine right, you going, guys are all here. Going from there to here to here mm-hmm. and how much more that fear would just grow and grow. Mm. I mean, I would I would be throwing up. I would be so fucking anxious. Oh my God, I can't imagine. Uh, the neighbor tried the key in Michelle's front door, but the neighbor couldn't get it to work either. So it maybe wasn't just Debbie. Uh, Debbie begged him to break the family room window so they could get into the house. And he firmly told her no. It's not fucking happening. Uh, he made his way around the back of the house to the garage door. Debbie followed and both looked through the door. So I'm not sure. And they could see through it. So I don't know if it was like a screen door or if it just was a glass door. Okay. I'm not sure exactly what it was like, but obviously they could at least see into it. Mm-hmm. Some somewhere. form of window. Um, once the neighbor saw what was in the garage, he turned around and pushed Debbie back so hard that she fell because he didn't want her to see what was in there. Uh, but it was too late. She had already seen uh, he pulled out his cell phone. He called 911 to report a man hanging dead in the garage. <gasps> oh, my God. Lisa arrived after this point, and the women were sent or taken across the street as, as the house was surrounded with yellow tape. Michelle's friends stood in shocked silence as they watched not one, not two, but three first responders walk out of the house and vomit. <gasps> oh, no, I don't want it. It's, it's bad. Oh. It's real bad. Oh my god. Uh, and I do have trigger warnings, guys. So when we get to those points, I have spots where I'll tell oh. you we're going to talk about something rough because this one's a rough one. Uh, a female police officer eventually approached the friends and asked for a description of Michelle, confirming Debbie and Lisa's worst fears. Once they knew for, cer- for certain that Michelle had been murdered, Debbie called Michelle's father, repeating over and over, "Michelle is dead," as her dad remained silent on the other end of the line. All right. Here we go. We're getting into it. It's gruesome. So it's your trigger warning. If you need to go forward, um, maybe a minute, maybe two minutes. Here we go. That was your chance. Um, Terry Brandt was found slumped over and covered in blood on the living room couch. She'd been stabbed 10 times in the chest. Other places said seven. um, But I think 10 was the most likely place. Um, With one exit wound in her back. Oh, my God. At least one of those went all the way through. Um, Can you fucking imagine? um, She had defensive wounds on her left hand. Special Agent Leslie D'Ambrosia concluded that Terry was killed first 
and that she had possibly dozed off on the couch before her murder. She was wearing a t-shirt and her pajama bottoms had been either removed or pulled all the way down. So they talked about like why that would happen and it was, they think maybe a humiliation kind of thing, you know, to do that to her. Uh, D'Ambrosia thought that Michelle had gone to take a shower and had been surprised as she got ready to get in just because of the scene and because of the things they found there. Uh, Michelle was found in her bedroom lying on the bed. Guys, this one's the one that's really gruesome, so you need to skip ahead now. It's really, really the time. Uh, she had been stabbed once in the chest, which was her cause of death, and she had been decapitated. Oh, my. Her head was placed next to her body as if to view what had been done to her, and he had, like, wiped it off to where it was clean. Oh, my God. Um, her heart was cut out. Oh! And her breasts and left leg were cut off. What the fuck? All were placed on the bed. Her left arm was partially severed. Her intestines, liver, and abdominal wall had been removed and put into the bedroom trash can. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, She had been sodomized, and Charlie's DNA was found in her rectal area. Michelle's Victoria's Secret bras and underwear had been cut with the same knife and thrown all over the bedroom floor. Are you... They think they talked about how the underwear had all been cut like on the same side and they thought maybe he had like tried to wear them or something like that. So I don't know if that's part of it or if that's just, I don't know. Um, The investigation concluded that Charlie had murdered Terry first with one of Michelle's kitchen knives before spending a long time with Michelle. Oh. Terry was not uh, sexually assaulted at all. Only Michelle. Could they tell if it was before or after she died? They did not say. Can you imagine getting raped like that by your uncle? No. Oh my gosh. What about her wounds? What about them? Were those post-mortem? Uh, I think she was... The stab, stab to the chest is the one that killed her. I right, think was everything it? else was post-mortem. Every, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that's the one. Yeah silver lining i don't know the one thing that can make you feel a little bit better about the fucking awfulness that was done to her uh after he was done with michelle charlie showered and changed into a clean white polo shirt and blue shorts he grabbed a long white bed sheet and a metal stepladder and hung himself from the rafters in the garage you're an idiot fucking gross right i went and took a shower and changed your clothes the fuck are you talking about how about just go Kill yourself. Right. How about just go do that? But then, like, when did, when was this plan made? Were you planning on... Is that why you wanted to leave early? So you wouldn't do this? Did you then decide you were going to stay and do... Like, when did... When was that... How long were you in that house knowing that that's what you were going to do? To your own fucking niece. <sighs> Who invited you to and stay at her wife. house? Oh, my God. Who everyone goes on and on about how you doted on your wife and you loved her so much and all this stuff. I take back everything I fucking said. Oh, yeah. I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. Um, it was, so it was later found that Charlie ordered and kept Victoria's secret catalogs. Uh, the authors, authors of Invisible Killer ponder when he started collecting them and whether or not he'd known that Michelle wore only Victoria's secret, which is just puts a whole nother dimension onto all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought maybe possibly after he after they'd stayed with Michelle while their house was repaired in 2000, maybe he had gone through her stuff then oh or something. Likely, um, look what he did. Right, right. And that made me wonder, when did he start calling her that? 
Yeah. Was it after that? Right after was that a coincidence? There. It feels like it's probably not a coincidence, but you went through a shit. And so then you started saying that and tying all that together. And then you started ordering these, you know, how long did you order the catalogs for? Did that happen after that trip in 2000? Were you just holding on to them yeah. once this fantasy started about your niece, which is fucking horrible? Um, after the murders, detectives checked the FBI database. I think that's Vicap. I'm pretty sure. For it didn't her though, stuff. too, if you, she knew that he was calling her that, right? No, she did not know. Oh, he said he didn't say it to her face. That's yeah. right. So, His friend said he didn't say it to her face. And her dad said she would have been livid if she'd known. So, which, of course, is somebody else saying she, how she would have reacted. But oh, So his own wife probably, Terry probably didn't know that. No. Okay. No, I can't imagine. Because I'm like, if you fucking said that, I'd fucking knock you out. And oh, yeah. I'd be like, don't come over to my daughter's house ever again. No. I can't imagine. I'll fucking kill you. And they say like she's outspoken and kind of fiery, so I can't imagine that she would have. Right, she'd be like, "Oh, cool, that's cute." Okay, with that. so. okay, all right, caught up. Sorry for that interruption. No, you're good. Um, Continue. After the murders, detectives checked the FBI database, which is I think it's Vicap. Um, if that's wrong, sorry, but it didn't say that. It just said the FBI database. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, uh, they found that an- another murder that matched up with what had been done to Michelle on July nineteenth, nineteen eighty nine. So. 15 years prior. At about 10 p.m., the body of 38-year-old Sherry Parisho was found in a rowboat that she slept in. Uh, two couples had been fishing together off the Big Pine Channel Bridge when one of the members thought they caught a big fish. They enlisted help from another member of the group to reel it in, but rather than a fish, the hook had caught Sherry's lifeless body by her elbow. Are you? What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, my God. I'm, we're never fishing again. <laughs> we're never fucking fishing never. again. Uh, what are the chances? Oh, my God. That it would get hooked on her. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And she had... I don't I don't know if I put the timeline stuff on here, because, of course, it's not all for certain, but... Fucking traumatizing. She had been killed... Like, I think she had been seen alive at, like, 8 p.m. So, I mean, this is within a couple hours of her being killed. Um, Powers it be on that. Right. What the hell? Right. So, oh, my I'm God. I'm going to talk details again. Okay. So, it's a trigger warning. Uh, Sherry's rowboat had been flipped over and basically used as a cutting board. Mm. Sherry's throat was slit so many times and so deeply that her spine was severed and she was nearly decapitated. How long would that take you so long? Uh, she was cut open from her pubis, so like down by her pubic bones, all the way up to her first rib, which is up here. Uh, her right nipple was cut off. Her fallopian tubes were severed and the parts where the egg comes out, like the, you know, the part that looks like this, were missing. Her heart was also removed. There was damage to her diaphragm, her liver, and her bowels. Her cause of death was ruled to be saltwater drowning. So she was drowned first. And exsanguination due to traumatic wounds. So I'm hoping that, again, that means she was unconscious, unconscious or already dead when all this shit happened. Okay. Um... A little bit about Sherry. Sherry was apparently homeless by choice. They talked about like that idea of freedom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, she had an IQ of one thirty six, so she was a very very smart woman. She was a former beauty queen and had been writing her autobiography titled "An Act of God" at the time of her murder, and she kept it like they found the manuscript in her boat. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some experts from her book, "An Invisible Killer," and it's clear that Sherry was empathetic and a free spirit. She wrote about social injustices, battling depression, and her fascination with the mysteries of the universe. 
Sounds like someone that I would have wanted to be. All with. million percent. And all they had a lot of excerpts from it, but it was just too much to put all of it in here. But uh-huh. uh, the Invisible Killer book is fabulous. So uh, it was originally believed that either an ex-boyfriend named Mike had killed Sherry, or that her murder was some sort of ritualistic satanic sacrifice, which lines up with the time frame. Because of the way it is, and that her heart was gone, and all that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and satanic panic, and they found pentagrams drawn nearby. So, oh, you know, okay. kind of all lined up. Uh, Mike was cleared with a past polygraph test. There were lots more suspects, but none of them panned out. Fingerprints were found along the gunnel or the top edge of the side of the boat, uh, and palm prints were found on the bottom. Neither matched Sherry, and I didn't find anything to say that they ever matched them. But I'm guessing they probably did. Um, a police canvas of the neighborhood resulted in a sketch of Sherry's potential killer from a woman who described a man running across the street the night of the murder. Police apparently got the sketch made, but they didn't really take it too seriously, which is a damn shame because I showed it to you before. And mm-hmm. what did you think of that? That looks it's, like Charlie. It looks just like Charlie. <laughs> just it's like Charlie. Charlie. You guys, if you look it up, when you look up his picture, if you search for his name, the first... Um, picture that pulls up shows another sketch and that's not the sketch i'm talking about you have to like scroll down further uh holy shit it looks just like oh my gosh and i also was telling holly so i showed holly before um that the the sketch and was saying every time i see it because of course i've looked at it a few times in the course of all this that i keep thinking about who could play him in a movie Okay, because yeah, the-, the face keeps coming to me because I'm watching Boardwalk Empire and this actor happens to be in Boardwalk Empire. Um, Michael Shannon, do you know who he is? Um, look him look. up. Okay. Uh, this drawing looks just like Michael Shannon and Michael Shannon is so good at playing like bad guys and villains and stuff. <laughs> totally oh my just god! Like the <laughs> he totally does. He looks just like the drawing. He's so good in Boardwalk Empire. Um, but I was just like, oh my god! Not that anybody needs a movie about funny. this, but I just was like, oh, Michael Shannon could play him. He looks just like the drawing. Holy! He's boy. much better looking than Charlie Brandt. But mm-hmm. also, he's, oh yeah, I don't think a piece of shit, and Charlie Brandt is obviously yeah. a piece of shit. So, so he's yeah, you're gross. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I just I can't stop that's seeing a, it. It looks just like him. That's funny. Like him. Oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> so Charlie's former brother-in-law Jim told police after the murder suicide that Terry had once told him she was considering calling the police on Charlie because of an event that happened around the time of Sherry's murder. Terry had come home early from work and found Charlie in the fish room. So they had a room for gutting fish because he was a fisherman. He loved going fishing. Uh, Both he and the sink were covered in blood. Jim brushed this off saying, of course, it's the clean fishing room. That makes sense that there's blood. But Terry insisted there was no sign of any fish. Right. And Charlie was covered in blood. Of course he was. Because you fucking cut her up. Because he fucking murdered this poor woman. Uh... Her eyes welled up with tears as she told Jim this, and he suggested that maybe Charlie had thrown the fish back, which doesn't fucking explain the blood at all. I fucking cut him all up and got all bloody and then threw it, chummed it back in? Right. Ridiculous. Um, Terry then explained what had happened to Sherry and that she'd been murdered just a block away from the Brant home. Which some of the stuff said a couple of blocks. I was going to ask a minute ago because I couldn't be patient. Did Charlie live in that area? Oh, right there. Right there. Oh, my God. And so so she told her brother about this a long time ago. She told her brother-in-law. So this is... Okay. So he is the ex-husband of Charlie's sister. Okay. 
Um, so she told him about this, like, back, back around when that it time. Happened, yeah. Right. And he just totally blew her off. Um, when she explained what had happened, that it happened close to their house, she finished by saying, quote, I'm worried that he might have done it, and I've been thinking about calling the sheriff. Oh! When she asked Jim what he thought she should do, he told her that if she called the cops and Charlie hadn't done it, their marriage was over. Quote, so what you have to decide is like, if it's worth ending your marriage over this kind of far-flung incident. Oof. Which, maybe that is kind of far-flung. You're saying this person you're married to all of a sudden is a fucking chops people up. Right. But... And it's not, you know, no matter what, it's not Jim's fault that all this happened. Oh, my God. But, um... And then she stayed with him for that long after that? Yeah, and she stayed. Being obviously fucking terrified. Right. Oh, And concerned. You're thinking that your partner could be And I feel like even though you're a piece of shit, especially after the first person you kill, something in you changes. Mm -hmm. Most certainly. Mm -hmm. Whether it makes you crazier or this thirst for it or makes you depressed or whatever it is, you're different now. Right, right. Your person you live with would notice that. Right. What if that wasn't the first one, though? (sighs) I mean, I'm not saying anything. I'm saying, what if? Uh, Terry didn't say anything else after that point, and clearly she didn't call the cops. She just stayed, so. God. Oh, Terry. I know. Oh, Terry. And I think how she must have felt so alone and crazy in that moment. Like, obviously, you're right. Obviously, my husband didn't do this. I'm just imagining it. And then. But think about how serious it would have to be to be telling somebody else like that that's also connected to your family. Absolutely. And to be getting some kind of idea that your partner could be. I, if someone suggested to me that Raja had done that, I'd be like, you're fucking out of your mind. Right. There's no fucking way. No. That's like, uh, we had a friend of mine dated a guy who was an abusive piece of shit and he, these abusers will, you know, they try to separate you from your friends and stuff. And of course he did that. And, um, he got pissed off at one point. And so he tried to like attack me and I'm pretty hard to rattle for the most part. Um, it's very difficult to make me uncomfortable. Even if you're saying super inappropriate stuff, it's very difficult to make me really uncomfortable. So anyway, he's talking all this shit. And one of the things he said to try to get under my skin was telling me that my husband flirts with everybody and was going to cheat on me. And I literally just laughed (laughs) and then got pissed because I was like, what if I was the kind of person that I would believe that? Right. But because I know my husband so well, I just was like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) So if someone told me that he did something like this, I'd be like, no, that's absolutely absurd. So to, to have that kind of thought in your head, what has to be going on? Oh, absolutely. And then to have the thought and then say it out loud. Exactly. Exactly. So I, oh, Mm -mm. I just wonder what else she knew. And then for that long, 15 years later, fuck. Mm -hmm. And then for it to end the way it did too. Um, Fuck you, Charlie. Now, Sherry's murder wasn't the only case that matched the ritualistic characteristics of Michelle's murder. Police found around 26 or 27 other murders that were similar. And we're going to talk about a couple of them. Uh, Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking insane. Uh, Then yet another story emerged as police are investigating. This one came from Charlie's older sister, Angela. Angela told detectives about an incident that took place in January of 1971, when Charlie was 13 years old. Oh, no. 
Uh, at that time, the Brandt family, which consisted of uh, the parents, uh, eight-month pregnant Ilsa, uh, hopefully I'm saying that right, I-L-S-E, I think Ilsa, and Herbert, uh, and then 15-year-old Angela, 13-year-old Charlie, three-year-old Jessica, and two-year-old Melanie. Oh, wow. Uh, so they lived together in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Angela was in her bedroom reading when she heard a series of loud noises, which she thought were firecrackers. She started to get out of bed when she heard, Charlie, no, or, or Charlie, don't. She wasn't sure which. Then she heard her mother scream and say, Angela, call the police. The next thing she knew, Charlie came into her room with a handgun <gasps> and pointed it right at her before pulling the trigger. Ah! Luckily for Angela, the gun was out of bullets and it only clicked when he pulled the trigger. Oh my God, you little piece of shit. I'm going to beat the shit out of you now. Right. Uh, Charlie threw the gun on the floor and Angela was, she kicked it under the bed. Of course, not knowing if it was, you know, empty. Yeah. Or 15. Uh, and Charlie attacked Angela. She fought back. Yes. The two ended up on the floor at the foot of her bed with Charlie on top of Angela strangling her. She told police that she didn't think she'd done anything that stopped him, but he'd had this like glazed over look and it disappeared from his face. And he asked her, what did I do? She said she didn't know, but she thought he'd shot their dad. So the two got up to try to figure out what had happened. Uh, Angela said she was scared and she was trying to figure out how to get away. So she decided to make up a story. So she told Charlie they would run away together to a hippie commune, which was kind of her way of getting out of the house, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, she told him he needed to go upstairs and get blankets for their little sisters because they couldn't leave them. Of course, they're only two and three. They're little. And he agreed. He backed away and he was backing up the steps. So, of course, she's thinking, oh, shit, like he's watching me. And he asks her, uh, quote, Angie, if I go up here, you're not going to leave me, are you? Oh, my gosh. She told him no, of course. And as soon as he was out of sight, she fucking booked it out the door and into the snow. And I'm leaving you! Yeah. <gasps> Bye, motherfucker. So she runs outside screaming. Oh, my God. Not even seeing her parents no. or doing it, just getting just out getting of there. Just getting out. Just going to get help. She ran to three different neighbors' houses, screaming for help. By then, Charlie was outside, too, yelling, quote, Angie, you promised me you wouldn't leave me. You promised you wouldn't leave me. That's fucking terrifying. Right. Uh, at that last house, she literally burst through the door without knocking and told the family who were playing cards, I think Charlie killed my mom and dad. <gasps> now, meanwhile, back in the, in the house, Charlie's dad was still alive. As for what had happened outside of Angela's room that night, Ilsa had been in the bathtub reading a magazine while Herbert was shaving before bed. Charlie entered the bathroom and shot his father in the stomach. It, he was shot either two or three times, and then the mother was shot the other. <gasps> I don't know which is which. Um, they turned the gun on his mother, who was in the bathtub. Her, Herbert would later tell Angela that he had pulled his body together, so I don't know how bad he was hurt when he was shot in the stomach. Um, pulled the drain out of the bathtub, I assume, to keep his wife from drowning. Oh. and call, crawled to the phone and called police before passing out there on the floor. Uh, his mother did not survive. No. Oh, my God. Are you serious? How is he yeah. not in prison? <laughs> what the fuck? Everything you know about the justice system. Are you fucking... Everything you know about the justice system. And you're like, how is he not in prison? Are... Oh, I'm going to throw up. Can you imagine marrying someone and not knowing that? 
Oh, you killed your fucking pregnant mother? And tried to kill your you father never and your asked sister. him anything? I mean, I'm sure he had lied up stories, but, but hold on. Hey, what about your parents? Are they cool? Nah, have you, fucking have you killed asked my Tony mom. How many people he's killled? Have you asked him that? Have you had that you didn't specifically say, did I murder her? Right. You didn't. Sorry. I wonder what that story is. Like, did you did you say they died in a car accident? Yes. Actually, that's exactly what it is. I, it's in here somewhere. What are you fun unoriginal fuck? Right. Wow. Not only are you a piece of shit, you also don't have an imagination. <laughs> my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. How so he was already later? totally fucked. So that's right. That's yeah. why she might not have noticed as much. Because you, how did you even function? How were you, people were like, oh, he's so sweet and nice. Yeah. What the fuck? Right. No. No one picked up on that. Nope. Creepy not having weird. sleepovers. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> fucking it. Nope. Sorry to Anthony's <laughs> friends. <laughs> that's fucking no. That's it. I just ruined it. Whole sorry. lot of nope now. Anthony, someday when you're an adult and you listen to this, I'm sorry. Yep. It was my fault. Even then when you're an adult, you still can't fucking have sleepovers. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't have sleepovers, you're never going to get grandbabies. I'm just throwing that out there. You oh, might have to let have sleepovers then. Fine. When you're 25, you can have sleepovers. <laughs> and you've gone to college. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. I am... No. No. <laughs> That's fucking terrifying. Like, I feel like that... No. Mm-hmm. Your, your mother, who was pregnant... Who was pregnant. Oh, my God. Did the baby die? Yeah. No. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Charles, you gross piece of shit. I know, right? He wasn't convicted of the murder of his mother and the baby she was carrying. Uh, he wasn't? He was not. He was in jail for five or six months while they decided not to charge him. Uh, then he was committed and treated at LaRue Carter Memorial Hospital in Indianapolis, which is not there anymore, for a year. And when he got out in June 1972, he went straight back to his father's home and the family never discussed what happened. It was just like, okay, that's over there. We're just going to go about our lives. Um, what? <laughs> I, I misheard what you said. You didn't. No. Uh, did she live there too? In Angela? Yeah. Are you fucking insane? <laughs> she, she talked about like having trouble sleeping after he came what back. Do you mean? Like, of course she did. Sleep? What do you mean? How did you sleep at all? Again. I'm never sleeping again. That's it. Your son literally shot me in the face. There just wasn't a bullet in there. Right. Are you fucking nuts? No, he can't live here. You fuck. Are you? How did anyone sleep? I, I and I can know. tell you, I love. My children. If either of them does that, I'm sorry, you can't fucking live here. If either of them shoots you and kills you, believe me when I say, you're going to be mad at me for what I do. I need you. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It would be very hard for for me to not hurt you. Right. Yeah. No, you can't fucking live here. And the trauma that you are now giving to your other child, you just have no fucking children now. Right. If you... what, what, how do you... You've just fucked... That one's fucked. And then you're <laughs> fucked this one up by letting that one still live here. Right. But you're also talking I'd about... I'd be like, I'm out. You're also talking about, what I say, 71. Oh, I don't give... Well, I don't, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, the difference yes, in how they handled that, things. Yeah, absolutely. And, but so it makes sense for that. I feel like it nobody, wouldn't happen now. Nope, nope. Are you... One year? <laughs> one year. Because he said, oh, and you know, I, I don't even know what happened. I forgot. You know his sister me. didn't get any kind of fucking therapy. Wow. 
or anything for that. I'm sure she didn't. Can you imagine because dinner? Can you imagine dinners for a while? Just sitting together having just dinner? Having a smile and be like, hey, what's up? How was your day? Oh, I, oh wait. Our mom's not there because you fucking killed her. Neither is our other Could you pass sibling. the broccoli? Also, don't leave you. You just tried to make me forcefully leave you. By shooting me in my fucking face. Get the fuck out of here. No. Don't leave you. Bye. Oh my gosh. No. No. I feel like I want to do an interview with her. I feel like if my brother walked into the room and tried to shoot me, I would, I would, and he dropped the gun because it was empty. I would have picked it up and fucking beat his face in with it. Yep. I don't think, and my brothers are a lot bigger than me. Right. Absolutely. That's what I said as soon as you told me that. Once it didn't go off, I'd be like, oh, oh, Charlie. I did. I'm about to beat the shit then, out of you right and now. And then if you found out, if I found out before we left that house that you killed my mother. With my oh, baby no. in there? I'm not even going to call the fucking police. I'm, I, no, mm-hmm. no. I'm going to kill mother? you no. and it's going to look like you killed you. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, this motherfucker killed everybody I'm, and then killed himself. I'm going to be like, some strange man broke in the house and beat my brother to death. I know that that's just a pile of skin and bones, but it's him. He's in there. He's in there. That's him. Sorry. Definitely wasn't me. It wasn't me. <gasps> I, I, I know a year. How could you? I know. It's forced. Like this whole situation. And that, the dad. The poor dad, because yeah. I can't even imagine. It's your wife with your, your child and your other child. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then also, like, if you, not that I'm, I don't know if I want to say that out loud. I think I'm not going to say it out loud, and I'll talk to you about it later. Uh. It's going to piss some people off, so maybe okay. we Okay, all right, okay, all right. Um, I feel like maybe I should, no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, you've already said it. So I was just thinking, like, okay, so think about... That situation, okay. Obviously, that baby that you want and you love, and no, nothing against that baby, but also you have this child who's here who you already know and love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would make it very difficult. I mean, not that I'm, I'd be like, oh fuck that baby that just was murdered. Obviously, right. I wouldn't feel that way, but like I feel like that would make it even harder to go. You just did this. Fuck you. Like that's your that's your kid, and this is your kid who's been in your life for thirteen years. Like right. You know, I don't know. I feel like that would make it even more difficult oh. and just a whole other level of it. And, oh, and it, like, I mean, different from if he had walked into one of the other girls' rooms and killed one of the two. Absolutely. I, you know I, I agree. Mean? Yeah, I agree. I think that's fine. You know, and two, like, yeah, that I've lost a child. So then this instinctual urge and need to protect now yeah. you. Right. Who did that? Right. Oh my god. Be a lot of a lot of feelings happening. And this is 1971, so you know that this man dealt with none of those feelings. He stuffed those down, and we're just never gonna talk about it again. Wow. Um, Wow. And then too, thinking about that, like you know what? That wasn't Charlie. He has this thing, and and he was gone. He didn't know that. Oh, cool. Which means he can do that again at any fucking time. Well. They were told by doctors there was no threat this would happen again. But they couldn't come up with a reason that it happened in the first place. Are you place. fucking crazy? 1970s doctors. Get, <laughs> shit to, get the fuck out of here. They literally could come up with nothing. They like did all these, you know, did all this stuff because they had him for a year committed and they could find no reason that it happened. 
So like when they asked him why he did it, he was just like, I don't know. Obviously, then it won't happen again. I, you know, like they talked about how he had been like his, obviously he didn't say it like that, but I mean, it was just like, you know, they told him to go do his homework and then they went upstairs. So it was like, oh, he was mad about the homework maybe, or like all these different kinds of things like that, like little 13 year old stuff that seems small to us as adults, but is huge to a 13 year old. And there, it's just like they just kind of treated it like it was just this amalgamation of all these crazy things that happened and it could never happen again. But it's like you don't even know why it happened. Right. You're just saying blah, blah, blah. These things happened to him. Maybe that was it. And you have no idea what caused it. How can you say it's never going to happen again? You can't point to, oh, he was physically abused. Oh, he was sexually abused. And this built up and blah, blah, blah. Like, you can't do any of that. You're just like. He was stressed out. It'll never happen again. Yeah, sure. He'll never be stressed out again living in the United States. Never. What the? F- never. Oh, never my happen. God. Uh, you think about that, too. The, they're, they're like, hey, it's time you have to come pick your kid up. And you're like, uh, what if I don't want to? Oh, you said Herbert? I'm sorry. He doesn't live here. My name is Herbie. Sorry. Wrong <laughs> number. Bye. Uh, yeah. I'm. J- oh, wow. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It's crazy. Now, once he came back to live with the family, the family moved to Florida. And the two youngest sisters were led to believe that their mother died in a car accident. So even the youngest sisters didn't even know this happened because they were two and three when it happened. Oh, man. Adult me, when I figured that out, I'll be so pissed. Oh, so pissed. Oh, my God. You know how I am about secrets. <laughs> You're like, um, excuse me, Dad. We're going to have to have a talk now. No fucking way. Um, no one close to the family knew this story except for Herbert, Angela, and Angela's ex-husband, Jim. You know, the guy who set Charlie and Terry up. Why would uh, you set him up with <laughs> anyone? No. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, later, when Charlie told his family that he and Terry were getting married, both Angela and Jim insisted that Charlie tell Terry about shooting his mom and dad. He agreed, but no one really knows for sure if he did it. There were a couple of things that Terry said that made it seem like he had told her. Like um, someone had talked about talking to her about like, what, if they were going to have kids. And she had said like, well, you know, no, I don't think so. You know, considering. But considering what? Considering you both hate kids? Considering. Right. I don't. You're considering you he's you're a psychopath and he, yeah, who knows? might shoot someone. So it's like she may have known. And she may have just thought, you know. Oh, well, he's changed. Oh, well, that was, you know, whatever. You know, I mean, she may have known and been able to go past it. And that could be what made her, when this murder happened, what made her go, oh, shit. What if he did this because all these things happened? So it's possible that she knew. But, um. Oh, my God. She got there first, right? Huh? The friend. Angela. No. Angela was not there. Angela was not where? Oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Angela, no. His sister was not there. Yeah. Um, so Terry's sister, Mary Lou says that Terry never would have married Charlie if she knew. And Mary Lou's husband, Bill says that Terry couldn't keep a fucking secret and she would have eventually let something that big slip out. Oh, so sure. I won't tell anyone. I'm right. not telling you. I, oh, I mean, 42 seconds. No, Raja, you guys can't see me, but I'm literally picking my phone to dial Holly's number. No, I'm never going to tell anybody. Holly. <laughs> like immediately. What? Oh my God. Oh my God. So... I, I mean, I can't keep a secret, so, you know, I can see that, but 
But also, there's those little comments that you're like, well, maybe she did know. Right. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty big secret. It is so, a very big secret. Like, and maybe she kept it because she was protecting like, him. She loved yeah, him. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, that's going to, I'm not talking to you anymore. Right. I know that if I, if I tell my siblings this, they're going to fucking hate you. Yeah. And it's going to change everything. And I love you. And I'm going to stay just, with you. And that does happen, like, you know, where... You're in a relationship with someone, you know, and that happens a lot with abusers too, where your boyfriend is, sadly, I know this as being the friend of someone who's been abused, you know, your boyfriend is telling you, doing these things to you, and you know that if you tell me, I'm going to be pissed at him and I'm going to tell you to leave. And you don't want to hear that from me, and you know you're not going to leave, so instead, you just keep it secret from me. Right. So, I mean... I always say, and I hate, I, I, I mentioned it a minute ago, I hate secrets. I don't keep secrets. I will, like, if, if other people have a secret that's not, you know, like a harmful whatever kind of thing, obviously I can keep that. But for me, I'm an open book. I'll tell you fucking anything. I don't care. I will talk about my sex life. I will talk about my poop schedule. I'll talk about whatever it is we need to talk about. I don't care. I just don't have secrets. That's just not who I am. Right. So for me, I'm like, if you feel like, if I have a secret and I go, I, well, I can't tell Holly this, then in my mind I go... Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you can't tell Holly, something's wrong and you need to stop and look at this situation. For, you know, for me, that's, right. that's how I judge. If you can't tell your person, then you need to really think about what's happening in that situation and if you're safe in that situation. Right. Because if you can't tell your person, something's not right. So for, for that to be happening, if that's what it was, then... Unfortunately, she just kept herself in a bad situation, which fucking sucks because she was lying to herself if that's what happened. But maybe she didn't know either. That's also possible. Um, Now, another potential reason behind the shooting, uh, Jim told a story about a family vacation to Florida that ended one week before the shooting. Um, So this is Charlie's family, but Jim's the one that gave the story to police. I guess Angela had told him. Uh, So Jim was told that Charlie's only friend was the family dog, a beagle. On that vacation, Herbert, the dad, took Charlie hunting, possibly because Charlie was bullied and he kind of thought of him as a sissy and he wanted to toughen him up, um, which is so 1970s. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Charlie's dog was taken on the hunting trip and the dad shot him, the dog, oh. supposedly by accident, but none of us were in those fucking woods, so who the hell knows what happened. Um, so they kind of talked about how that happening could have been a catalyst for this whole thing. Okay. Um, But why would you shoot your mom? Because you're in a fucking, you still have to be under some kind of psychotic fucking break to be able to do that. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, but of course none of us know cause they had no fucking clue. The professionals didn't. So how the fuck are we going to know? Uh, so Jim also shared another story with 48 hours, two years after the murders about a fishing trip he'd taken with Charlie after his split with Angela. Uh, he had been crying and complaining about Angela who'd had an affair and left him for the other man. Uh, Charlie responded, quote, you know what the perfect revenge is, don't you? When Jim didn't answer, Charlie continued, quote, well, the perfect revenge is you kill somebody and then eat their heart. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Are you Can we fucking move this boat back now? Me. <laughs> what? He ate their hearts. You killed... What? So, time out. Time out, fucking Jim. <laughs> this motherfucker told you to eat hearts. 
and you set him up with someone else? <laughs> you fucking asshole. I mean. What the fuck? But also. And you know that he killed his own mother. You know that already. And now he's telling you you should kill people and eat their hearts. Are you insane? That's perfect revenge. Uh, no, it's not. That sounds disgusting. Thank yeah. You. For a psychopath. Which you are. Because could you even say those words? If you literally, fucking Charlie, if you didn't know that you killed your fucking mother and shot your dad and tried to kill your sister and all this shit, you went into this fucking break and you didn't know what happened. But you do now. You could literally make a air quotes joke about revenge killing. Right. I'm sorry. What? No. No. Jim's an asshole, too. <laughs> just so you know, Jim. What the fuck? You don't set people up with people who've murdered people. I mean, you right, just yeah, don't. Yeah. You know what? Maybe you can still be friends with them. Okay, I wouldn't, but that's maybe, your business. Maybe, maybe he thought it would be a fun story for Terry to be like, later on, hey, guess what he did after she just had a fling with him? Maybe he thought mm-hmm, she yeah. would enjoy being able to tell that kind yeah. of story. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Jim. I wish everybody could see the I cannot. You bitch, shut up. (laughs) I cannot. That, you're a shitty friend. Like, I. For real. No, hell no. Right. No. Okay, we still have to be friends for whatever fucking weird reason, but I'm definitely never setting you up with anyone. You have to meet them on your own. Never. Sorry. And then when you do meet them, I'm probably going to tell them in the bathroom when they go (laughs) that this motherfucker killed his mom, just so you know. Just so you know. And he makes jokes about fucking eating people, so. I know I set you up with him. He's a fucking cannibal. And you're like, okay, I want you to meet this guy. He's a great guy. He's super friendly. He's got so, his eyes are so pretty. Also, he he killed his mom. Right. No big deal. It's fine. And he, it was fine. Everybody said it was fine. It's fine. No. And he's like, murderers need to get laid too, right? I... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't fuck murderers. Oh my God. <laughs> Jim, why? <laughs> he didn't say that. That was just me saying that, by the way. That was. I just. And I used to friends. I would be like, ha, that's so funny. I gotta go forever. <laughs> you want to go fishing? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm washing my hair that day. Yeah, I can't come fishing. I learned that I'm allergic to fish and fresh air. Yeah, I can't even be in the boat. Can't do that. The water can't touch me. I'm stay home. Why? In my bed and cry. Okay, great. Continue. <laughs> Okay, uh, so now we're going to talk about some of these other cases that could be tied to Charlie. And I only really talked about the ones that they had a, a pretty decent amount of the story and what the connection was because obviously there's 26 of them and a lot of them it's just like, this person was killed. This You know, there's not really information. Okay. And I tried to research a few, but I just couldn't find anything on them. So uh, on October 2nd, 1978... Okay. The skull of 13-year-old Carol Lynn Sullivan was found in a gallon paint can in uh, Osteen or Osteen, Florida. Sullivan had been abducted from a bus stop 12 days earlier on September 20th. The rest of her remains have never been found. Mm-hmm. Charlie's former roommate said Charlie used to go fishing in the area where her skull was found all the time. That's wonderful. Jim also told a story about a dinner one night when Charlie was staying with Jim's mother because of Reasons that don't really matter for us. Uh, and during a lull in the conversation, Jim's mother brought up that a neighbor told her that a 13-year-old girl's head had been found inside of a paint can. And Charlie started laughing, quote, maniacally. 
spitting out a mouthful of food as he laughed. I, 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 <laughs> I, I still... Right? Jim! Jim! What the fuck? I'm sorry. I can't have sleepovers anymore. My <laughs> mom said I'm allergic. I, what? Right. Right. I, this is getting worse for you, Jim. Yeah, I mean, not you had all the tools right. necessary to not set this man up with literally anyone. Right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. Um, now, the book Invisible Killer states that that happened over spring break of 1977, which is... Obviously incorrect since she was killed in 78. So I don't know when exactly okay. when this dinner took place. Uh, it also appears to have the wrong city that she was found in based on papers from the time of the murder. So again, some of the details in this book are not correct, but I still feel like the book is 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 a good deal. So hopefully I'm correct. Okay. Um, Charlie was never tied to this crime. And I'm not sure if he was ever ruled out completely. Uh, one of the writers of Invisible Killer. This is just a total side note, and I thought it was interesting. Um, she knew a psychic, and there's a story about her being asked to photograph the house Charlie grew up in, and as a result, coming into contact with his spirit. They had her ask him if he'd ki- killed Carolyn, and he'd laughed and held up the number 13 with his fingers because she was about to turn 13. Uh, Charlie was 21 at the time of Carolyn's disappearance, and if he is her killer, she would likely be one of his earliest victims, obviously aside from his mother. <clears throat> <laughs> I feel like it's very strange that he was laughing that hard about that. And that doesn't necessarily mean he did it, but also, like, I feel like you would hide it better if you, if you know what I mean? Like, like, I feel like you must, like, you, meaning you would hide that you were a psycho better if you hadn't done that killing. You know what I'm saying? Right. But no, because he fucking said, just fucking cut their hearts out and eat them. Yeah. You, why would you even say that? I don't know. Because you're a psycho. Because you're a fucking psycho. Uh, On December 16th of 1988, 20-year-old Lisa Sanders attended a party on No Name Key, which was about a 15-minute drive from the Brant's home on Big Pine Key. Wonderful. She arrived to the party with friends around 7.30 p.m. Around 9.30, Lisa decided she was ready to leave, but her friends weren't. They said they saw her walk away from the party alone. Guys, I'm not blaming her friends. Um, You know... They did what they did, and it's not their fault and whatever else. Don't fucking let your friends leave alone. Don't let your friends leave with a guy they don't know, or a girl they don't know for that matter. Don't fucking leave your friends alone. We came together, and we're leaving together, and that's it. And if you think I'm a shitty friend, or you're tired about it, or I'm a party pooper, or whatever, I don't give a fuck. Mom said get in the car. We're going. I don't care. Right. Don't let your friends fucking leave alone. Right. Sorry. She's that's ready to go. Answer. It's time to go. Yeah, Everybody's going. We're, we're leaving. Going. That's it. Sorry. Sorry. I Don't. Just don't. I would love to live in a world where that doesn't matter and everybody can just go home with whoever they want to, whenever they want to, but we don't. And until uh, we do, she doesn't leave alone. Period. Uh, uh, So Lisa's nude body was found by the side of the road near a gravel pit about a half mile from the party location the next morning. Uh, papers from the time said that Lisa's jaw had been broken, she'd been beaten and stabbed, and she'd been dragged by a car or a truck for a half mile before being dumped. Jesus. Uh, Invisible Killer says that she was strangled, smashed in the head with a blunt object, and her eyes were gouged out with a knife. Uh, How do people murder people like that and not get fucking caught? I I don't understand. I don't know. What? How did nobody see that? I guess because there's a party happening and people were at the party and it's loud and I don't know. Uh, There was blood everywhere up to almost a quarter mile away. 
Uh, and there it was in a field behind a rusted out car. So, I mean, it was just all over the place, apparently. Oh. Uh, most of her heart and several other vital organs were missing. Uh, according to a message board post I read with some other sources, <clears throat> Lisa's heart, brain, eyes, neck muscles, colon, vagina, ovaries, left fallopian tube, bladder, thyroid gland, and pieces of her lungs were, quote, missing or savaged. However, there were vultures, it sounded like, like oh, eating okay. her, like when police found her, or even when she was found. So they don't know how much would have been done by whoever killed her or how much was vultures. I... Uh, uh, no. Her fucking poor parents. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. There were vultures eating my child. Yeah. yeah. No. That's pretty bad, too. No. Um, my first question was, could vultures eat that much in the time she was missing? She was only missing for several hours. And the answer I found was that they could have picked her clean in that time. Oh. In a shorter time. So it's absolutely possible that the damage came from vultures... Um, and like I say, it says, sounds like there were vultures at the scene. But the autopsy reports apparently didn't give a definitive answer to what was done by the birds and what was done by the killer. So okay, that one's one that could have been him. Again, in the area, could also be somebody else and vultures did the rest of the damage and, you know, who knows. Um, then a different case. On November 24th, 1995, the day after Thanksgiving... The body of 36-year-old Darlene Toller was found in a field west of Miami near the property of Rinker Materials by a Rinker employee. She was wrapped in a blanket or a shower curtain. I know that seems weird, but again, it was different and different. Like, um, some of the news articles said one thing, you know, so I'm not sure which is correct or if maybe both. I don't know. Uh, she was and it, that she was wrapped in a blanket inside of a garbage bag, so she's wrapped in a bunch of stuff. Her heart had been cut out and she'd been decapitated. Her head was never found. Oof. After the murders of Michelle Jones and Terry Brandt, the detective in charge of Darlene's case, Pat Diaz, who is now a private investigator, was contacted because of the similarities in Darlene and Michelle's murders. Diaz went to the Brandt home as part of the investigation, and he or someone else noticed that Charlie kept records of his car mileage. Like, I guess, pretty detailed records. Um, Diaz looked at Thanksgiving Day of 1995, so obviously he kept them. And noticed there was a significant spike in the mileage at that time. He also took note of the anatomy chart Charlie had hung up behind his bedroom door. And the fact that he was an expert fisherman. Both things lining up with the precise way that Darlene had been cut open. The one detail that didn't seem to line up was that dog hairs were found on the blanket. Or shower curtain. um, That Darlene had been wrapped in. And the Brants had cats, not dogs. Did she have dogs? I guess not. Okay. Um, Diaz learned from Terry's sister, Mary Lou, that Terry's best friend, Melanie, had dogs. Charlie had taken Melanie's dogs to the vet at least once, and it was likely her dog's hairs were on the blanket. Eventually, the dog hairs from the scene were DNA tested with dog hairs from Melanie's dogs, and they were a match. <laughs> so we, we're, I, I think we know that he did that one, and they feel like they have enough that they know he killed uh, Sherry Pariso. Oh, well. my God. <gasps> and as I said, there are other potential victims listed in Invisible Killer, but I couldn't find much information on them, and some of them are Jane Doe's. None have details confirming that Charlie is the killer like the ones that I went ahead and went through. Uh, there's also a sort of timeline taken from Terry's planner, which police have used to try and tie him to other crimes because she'll talk about, like, he went here or, you know, it's just little notes like that. Um, or days where he was, like, it'll say, like, 
today was weird. You know, that kind of a thing. Like, just little short notes yeah. that could maybe do oh something. My God. And then obviously they have these notes on his... Um, mileage. Mileage, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Which they also have that on another big one, Israel Keys, which I'm sure everybody listening knows who he is. And, you know, those are out there where you can try to connect him to different cases. So I feel like like why, we need this stuff out here so we can try to contact, you know, connect it all. That's what people do in their fucking board time or whatever we do. I don't know. <laughs> their board time. Right. Uh, so all of that, the timeline stuff from her planner was too much to go over, but it's in the book. So it's, it's pretty easy to find. I think it's more toward the end. Um, an interesting side note that I guess probably really doesn't have anything to do with anything else, but I thought it was interesting because I believe in this shit, uh, from invisible killer is that a medium came to see Debbie after the murders because Debbie was experiencing what sounds like a haunting. Uh, it's described in detail in the book, but in essence, the woman Rosemary Altia found that Charlie had planned or planned to or wanted to kill Debbie too. So, which would make sense if he's like watching her mm-hmm. and, and being creepy, like she may have saved herself by not being there. They talked a lot about how Lisa had guilt, feeling like if she had gone to the house, maybe she could have stopped it. And I'm like, girl. You would be dead. Of course you feel that way because we all would, mm-hmm. but you couldn't have stopped that. He would have killed you too. You would have been... Just another victim in that fucking house oh, for Debbie to find. Oh my gosh. So I wish that Michelle and Terry had not been in the house, but I'm glad that Lisa and Debbie weren't. Uh, now there's a lot of speculation in the book about what turned Charlie into the absolute monster he was, but in reality we'll never know for sure. Uh, one theory is that it goes back to his mother, which does seem likely based on what we know about serial killers and their twisted fucking relationships with their moms. Uh, another theory suggests it goes back to his father, who was a part of the Hitler Youth Program in the 1940s. Now, this theory posits that the incident where Charlie's father shot his dog may be proof of a cruelty in the elder, elder Brandt's behavior. Charlie also told authorities after the murder of his mother that he wanted to cry when his dad shot his dog, but he didn't, suggesting a strictness and a lack of empathy from his father. Uh, it's also said that he attended his mother's funeral in shackles and showed no remorse or sadness there either. He told his sister Angela that while he was in the mental hospital, he knew when they wanted him to cry, so he did, suggesting that he either learned while there how to manipulate people to get what he wanted, or he was a manipulator before he went there. Uh, Another theory came from Terry's sister, Marty, who is a post-traumatic therapist. She mentioned seeing a scar on Charlie's chest that ran to his abdomen, stating that it was from surgery as an infant. Uh, I don't know exactly what kind of surgery, but she stated that that kind of early surgical trauma could have psychological repercussions. So it could just be that he was just someone who, that's how that affected him. Sounds like you're a piece of shit. Right. That's what it sounds like. But, you know, of course, that's why we're all interested in this, is what causes it, Mm -hmm. you know, what happens to people and all that stuff. But unfortunately with him, we will just never know for certain... What, Charlie? You couldn't handle it? Right. Handle your disgustingness anymore? Wow. Uh, It's noted that Charlie was an avid fisherman who liked to cut up his fish while it was still alive. Which I don't think is normal. Right. Here's your sign. Uh, And a former roommate that used to fish with him said Charlie made large ice cubes of fish blood to use as bait and kept them in the freezer. Disgusting. Of course, the book suggests they're made from something other than fish blood. Of course, there's no proof of that, so... Uh, this former roommate also stated that at the time they hung out, when Charlie was 20, Charlie worked in the kitchen of a seafood restaurant and would come home smelling awful, wearing the big rubber boots people wear to, like, wade through deep water. Mm-hmm. But I think he meant just, like, the calf-high ones, not, like, the big waders yeah, right. or, like, uh, suspenders. Um, and with blood all over the boots and his clothes. He, he told- literally said, 
You eat their hearts for revenge. <laughs> this is a different friend. And he cuts out. Oh, and he cuts out hearts. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely has human ice cubes. I mean, it's possible. But there's no proof of that. So mm-hmm. I wanted to share it because it is very interesting and not at all unlikely. But okay. there's no proof of it. So Okay. Um, so he would come home with blood all over his boots and his clothes working in a kitchen. He told his friend that the kitchen was what smelled so awful, which if a kitchen fucking smelled that bad, no one would fucking eat there. Did right. that place go under immediately? Because otherwise, I don't know. Uh, and the blood was because, quote, the meat was really fresh. Um, no. Because you cut it off of the animal? Right. Is that right? Off of a human? Is that right. what happened? <laughs> fucking weird piece of shit. Uh, the writers of Invisible Killer interviewed a few kitchen workers and couldn't find any explanation to why anyone would wear those boots to work in. Can you imagine a fucking hot ass kitchen wearing fucking knee high rubber boots? And how much your feet would hurt by the end oh of the fucking day? Oh my god! No, 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 that's not realistic. Um, they couldn't find any expl- explanation why anyone would wear those boots to work in a kitchen, and noted that kitchen workers don't come home covered in blood. No. So, uh, Charlie's computer analyzed after his death showed visits to internet sites with topics like erotic horror and death fetish erotica and drop dead gorgeous. Apparently, there were lots of necrophiliac sites, which were very graphic. The sites Charlie visited depicted naked women in violent and gory scenes or made to look hurt or dead. So... That makes me hope that his niece was already dead. I also hope When he did that. They did talk about, you know, of course, they talked a little bit about, because we're talking about him suggesting he eat the hearts and whether or not he did and all those things. They talked about Jeffrey Dahmer and they talked about um, necrophilia and how... I don't remember who it was now, so I'm not taking credit for this idea. Obviously, this came from somebody else. But they were talking about how necrophilia can include not just an interest in dead bodies, but like in Jeffrey Dahmer's case, this interest in wanting to have total control over another person. And uh, with people, that's how you get it. You're not going to get a person who's going to be your sex slave or whatever. You're going to have to kill them. So, yeah, I don't know. It's all gross and terrible. Uh, oh, I started to write that and I deleted it because it was too much and it didn't work. So let me delete that. Boop. Okay. Uh, y'all know how I like to end it. So about Michelle, her dead, her friend Debbie said, quote, Michelle was extremely loyal. She was giving, she was caring. She was dedicated. She was an amazing woman. Friend Lisa said, quote, Michelle was fun, so smart and organized. She also said, quote, Michelle was the most awesome person ever. My life is not complete since she's not here. Oh, well, fuck. They're both in the 48 hours episode talking about her. And, well, that's awful. Uh, a client mm. from Michelle's sales position at the Golf Channel said, quote, we had a $30 million account with her with the Golf Channel. A lot of air, as we call it. And we trusted her implicitly with that kind of money. Michelle was honest to a fault. Terry's sister, Mary Lou, described her... Described Terry as energetic and bubbly, popular in high school with lots of friends. Quote, she looked like the sunbeam girl on the bread. Terry was a fun-loving person. Mm. And that is the horrifying story of serial killer Charlie Brandt. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. Ooh, that one was... Yikes. And you picked it. I did! (laughs) Oh, fuck you, Jim. I gave her a choice. She said that one. I did. 
That, she didn't know all that stuff, though. I did Have you, Had you heard that one before? No. So we talked about it. That one, uh, Crime Junkie, is the first place I heard it. Oh, shit. So I knew, you know, you've listened to some of Crime Junkie, but I was like, mm-hmm. it's hit and miss. Like, I don't know which episodes you've heard, or even if you remember them, because some of them are so long ago. I know, and my brain is not the best just at memorizing that kind of stuff. What I think I had forgotten. But I lose names, but not usually the whole story. Like, I usually remember. I do not remember. That's what I was like, you know, as we were talking about it, I kind of gave you a little bit when we were trying to decide what story. And I was like, I think she would remember it just from that little bit that I gave you. That's one that if you start picking up on it, you're like, oh, shit, I know that story. So I was kind of like, I don't think she knows this one. Mm -mm. Oh. I don't even remember what the other one was I was going to tell you because I've been knee deep in Charlie Brandt bullshit this whole time. What a... Stupid piece of fuck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ew, my God. Absolutely. Next week's will be a little bit different. That one's oh. going to be like a mystery, so mm. I'm excited about that one. Um, I was waiting for the books to wow. come out, so this one got pushed up. Well. So now i got to read those books, probably. I, <laughs> I got to read them. I should probably get on that. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Jokes with Holly. I don't own the rights to these jokes. This joke actually came from our friend Alicia. Hello, Alicia. Alicia. It's fucking. I was going to mention. Oh, oh, oh. After your joke. Do your joke first because you're already. Okay. All right. This one's pretty fucking just spot on. (laughs) Where do bad rainbows go? I don't know. Where? Prism. It's a light sentence and gives them time to reflect. <laughs> ah! That was cute. I was like, oh, it's Good so job, cute. Alicia. Prism. Stop it. I like it. I like Stop it. it. Uh, so I was going to say, she called me yesterday. Uh, so you guys remember Alicia from our Isabella Stewart Gardner heist episode. She's, she presented that to us. Um, she called me yesterday as I was in line to pick up the kids. And she said she was listening to the Heyman Lee episodes. Oh, God. She was like, I'm so sorry I'm behind. I'm like, girl, be behind. It's fine. You're allowed to have a life. I'm not going to get pissed off at you for being behind. But also, go download those episodes. Um, But so she said that she was listening to those episodes and we were talking about breadcrumbs. What James calls breadcrumbs. Those little things that kind of let you know you're in the right place or whatever. um, Which we talk about for the podcast all the time because I get all the breadcrumbs. And I, I want a different name for them. Okay. James's name is great, but I want to come up with something else. But of course, I do not spend time doing that because I'm reading horrible shit all day, mm-hmm. every day. Um, or dealing with my children, which may be rougher than reading this shit. Anyway, <sighs> so she suggested uh, bone fragments, which I thought was hilarious. Oh! Or uh, spine tinglers, which I may Ooh, like even more. Yeah, I like spine tinglers. So um, I just thought that was really cute. That's fucking cute. You want to hear my spine tingler? Yeah. It literally just happened yesterday, and I called you to tell you about it, and then maybe I got sidetracked or whatever. Or <laughs> we never get sidetracked. I'm not fucking kidding you. <laughs> I'm driving, and the light's getting ready to turn red, and I'm like, mmm, and I'm going. I'm not... I'm literally not fucking joking. I'm going under the red light and the song on the radio says, run in the red light. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So whatever popular song is out right now about red lights. And I was literally like, what the fuck? Okay, universe. It was weird. I was like, all right. Oh, it was so weird. 
Mine are always like a random thing showed up on Facebook that deals with the case I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Or I'm reading a case. I, and it happened to me yesterday, too, I think. I was listening to My Favorite Murder and something happened. And I was like, because I'm, you guys, I'm almost fucking caught up. I'm at like August Ooh. of last year on My Favorite Murder. I have taken so many case ideas from them and just popped them on my list. So thanks, ladies. Um, I appreciate you, besties. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else I was going to say. They did, cool. I don't remember what the bread, the breadcrumb, the spine tingler, the bone, whatever it is, was yesterday, but there was something that I was going to tell you. It's gone now. So All we'll, right. I'll have another one next time. Uh, as always, y'all can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at, at, uh, at Mommy's Horror and on Facebook, Mommy's Horror Podcast. You can email us your stories and case suggestions to mommyshorror at gmail.com. Please do. I have had so much fun, like, emailing back and forth. With yes. Um, I love that it's been people, like, don't get me wrong. I love all of the people that we know that listen, so don't stop listening. I'm not insulting you, but it's so fun talking to people that are just like random people who mm-hmm. happen to listen to us and, and reminding me that the only people listening are not people who already know and love us. Right. It's, it's, it's not just our friends. It's a neat little thing. I don't know. Um, you can join our community on the Mommy's Discord. We had a new person join the other day, so I'm pretty excited <laughs> about that. Welcome. Uh, the link for that is pinned on our Facebook page. Obviously it works because the person found us, so you can right. definitely join. Uh, and if you're so inclined, you can become a patron where I will someday make it worth your while. <sighs> I'm going to get caught up eventually, guys. Thank you for being patient with me. It's been a lot happening in my house. So, Thank you for listening. Sweet dreams. Spookies. <laughs>